1: Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Lila? Fine, thank you.
0: Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. Would you mind
1: just giving everyone a little intro about who you are and what you do? Sure. Uh, I'm Mernas Campbell and I'm founder of Chemia. Uh, and Chemia is an innovative and independent healthcare company based in Edinburgh. Uh, and what we do is we design and deliver commercial and multi-channel uh, pharmaceutical marketing solutions and strategies that delivers growth for our clients as well as giving NHS um, some efficiency saving and so we do like three things we develop marketing strategy we give expert advice and if their clients like what we say then we go ahead and develop the multi-channel marketing platform for them
0: okay so you do both the like the planning the strategy and implementing it yeah that's right okay so could you give us just a brief walk through? it's up to you how much detail you want to give, uh, but about your sort of career history that led you up to basically fi- founding your
1: own business and sure, maybe from where you started? Yeah, sure. I qualified as a nurse and then um, gradually kind of like got involved in pharmaceutical industry and I worked in the pharmaceutical industry in the UK for about 27 years in various roles and I guess... I loved what I did, but I have my own business. And I, I guess a lot of people think, oh, I want to have my own business one day. And wrongly, I always thought to have my own business, I have to come up with a kind of like a unique idea that no one else thought about. Uh, but reality is, when you set up your own business, you actually start doing what you're really good at. Um, so when you have a job and you're really settled and you've got commitments, it's kind of like quite scary to go and set up your own business because. You're always kind of scared. Would you be able to maintain the same like level of income? Would you be able to keep your commitment? But I just had an opportunity to kind of like jump and start my own business two years ago. And I guess what really encouraged me was it wasn't the first time I had gone freelance. I did it before when I was about 19. And I kind of like look back and I thought to myself, what was it Mm -hmm. that made me do it when I was 19 that is stopping me doing it now? And It was so clear when I thought back, I realized at that time I had a really, I saw a niche in the market. I was really clear about what I was going to do and what I was going to do. I was quite good at it, but I had no fear. And I think what was stopping me was just that fear. And I think two years ago, I thought to myself, just like get on with it, (laughs) stop fearing it and just like have a leap of faith. And I'm just so glad I did because often it's fear what stops us rather than actually what we, you know, end up doing. So um, that's what led me to start my own business. I just stopped being scared and just got on with it.
0: That's a really good one, because I think a lot of people, it's the very common thing, that, you, like you say, that gets in the way. And it's probably the most common one, because it's just the unknown and the uncertain. But in reality, there is no certainty in anything, is there? So, yeah, it's just it's just the perception of it. But I also thought it's really interesting how you said that you always thought that to run your own business, you have to have something that no one else is doing.
1: Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm.
0: I, I used to think that quite a lot as well. I think it's much more intimidating if you think it has to be like that. When yeah. in reality, it's much more achievable for the everyday person who's who's got a bit of entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. If it doesn't have to be new concept. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you did that helps you to create a business that isn't something that is completely new and has never been seen before but still find your way of making it unique or
1: making yourself stand out Mm -hmm. yeah definitely I think when you when you know about a market or about a product or an area that you're an expert you naturally see opportunities and I think once you see those opportunities you need to kind of like flesh out to see can you actually do something with that opportunity and i think in my current business i found an opportunity because in pharmaceutical industry you've got products that are potentially really good for the patients uh, but some of them have you know potential saving for nhs and it's just nhs needs to have good products and you know you know manage more patients with less money so i kind of like so a niche, there was a sweet spot between what NHS needed and what pharmaceutical company were able to provide. And I think when you want work for one company, you can only communicate what they have to offer. Well, when you're working as an independent healthcare company, you could actually look at NHS need and actively go and look for companies that have products that meets NHS needs. So you become kind of like a broker. And it's a win-win because it's a win for the clients that you're working on behalf, but also it's a win for NHS. And I kind of like think no matter what people are doing in their job, they often see opportunities. It's just seeing yourself and acting on It's kind of like the key starts uh, to spark a business.
0: So do you think that key to that is choosing to go into something that is aligned with your values and that you're really passionate about? Do you think that's quite essential to make sure that you do have this perspective and this kind of knowledge of the industry definitely
1: I think it needs to be something you know about and you're expert and it needs to be something that is close to your own heart and you feel good about because then it kind of connects your heart and your mind and when I was looking back on my previous experience when I was 19 and set off and did my own business I actually had a really positive experience and again I saw a niche um I I was finding that um I was working in an office when they were doing translation and they had typists who would type stuff and they had translators who would come and translate, but hand write it. So I kind of figured out what was the cost of the service and then worked out what was the cost of the translator writing it and translating it and the typist. So I could do both. I could translate and type at the same time. So I kind of when I approached another, um, you know, office and I said, I can do both of these things and I priced it below what would have cost them to pay a translator and a typist. So it was a no-brainer. They wanted my, you know, freelance work. Yeah. And I had worked out that I was making money, but the client was making money and everybody was happy. And I think whatever business um proposition you're going to come up with, you have to always think of your client. You have to have a tangible benefit for the client. So by working with you, they're going to have a, like a be- better benefit than working with other people. And that could be like quality of service. It could be cost saving. It could be quantity. Whatever it is, you have to really put your mind in their head or try to look at it from their perspective saying, what is it that they don't have that you can deliver that is unique, that they prefer working with you rather than anybody else. That way you get repeat business from people.
0: Yeah, so is that about getting really clear on your value proposition in terms of
1: what you stand for and what you offer? Definitely, definitely. You need to have a kind of like a clear communication. I I remember I mentioned this to you when we like briefly chatted over Christmas that you need to have a like a clear message. What is it that you do? If somebody stops you in a lift and asks you what's your business, be able to tell them within 30 seconds what is it you do? And within that able to communicate what is it that is different about you that others are not doing so that immediately the person to really grab their attention so they want to know more about your company and your product
0: yeah so actually that's something that I really wanted to go into because we spoke over Christmas and you kind of explained to me the difference between having a job and and running yeah. a business yeah. and I thought that would be so interesting for the listeners to hear because anyone who is running any freelance business or wanting to do that in the future I think Mm -hmm. when it's the early stages it is really hard to get out of the stage of just doing a job where you get paid by the hour and turning it into a business
1: Mm -hmm.
0: so perhaps you could share some of your thoughts on things that are important to consider or to implement yeah to think of your of what we're doing as a business
1: definitely I think um for me you know when you have a business you have to think differently you have to think like an investor you have to think would i invest in this business do the numbers add up is there going to be profit and if there is when that profit's going to come in also you have to think about as an investor would you actually employ yourself to run the business and you've got to be really honest with yourself and that kind of like that allows you to assess yourself do you have the skills to run the business or are there any gaps that you need to address it and you find most businesses are either succeed or fail based on how they manage their finances and their books because if the business is not making money there's not going to be enough to be able to sustain it so I think thinking as an investor you have to have a different perspective I remember I had a conversation with my son a few months ago he had some savings and he was Kind of like he was having a part-time job and he said to me mom would I you know resign so I can focus on my you know career aspiration and use my saving to kind of like pay my bills and everything and I said to him you have to think about this as an investor you've got you know this lump sum of money you can put it in the bank and get a uh, you know interest on it or you can invest it in ISIS or whatever." You have to think about would you actually trust yourself to invest it in yourself and would you get enough or more return on your investment short term and long term? So you have to start thinking differently. And I think another thing I find a lot of people when they're kind of setting goals for the business, maybe don't know what to expect. Like if you're expecting to have a revenue of um, 30,000 in your first year of business, people kind of like assume that You have to divide that 30,000 by 12 and deliver one twelfth of it from month one. But Rome wasn't built in a day. So you have to kind of like set yourself realistic goals. If you're starting from scratch and you don't have a baseline of client, you need to kind of like build building blocks to help you to get to that goal of 30,000. And, you know, when we chatted, I mentioned to you is, I think if you're starting from zero about something that you've never communicated to anybody before the method I use for forecasting is quite different instead of kind of like dividing the revenue by 12 I divide the revenue by 78 and the reason I divided by 78 is because if you say month one you get one block month two you get two block month three you get three block and you add up Numbers from one to 12 together, you get 78. So you kind of like start thinking, okay, I don't need to deliver all of that in month one. And your goals become a lot more realistic and uh, achievable. So you don't get totally demotivated after three months of running your own business. Um, I hope that makes sense. But kind of like, it's just like if you were going to do a really challenging event, say if you were going to run a marathon, You don't start by just running, you know, 26 miles. You gradually build yourself towards that. And even I remember when I was doing marathons, when I would start, you know, at the start, I don't say to myself, I'm going to run a marathon because that would have really scared me. I would say to myself, Marlis, you're just doing a 10K. Just think about You're just going to do a 10K. And then I would do a 10K because I was comfortable doing a 10K. And then I would do a 10K and I said to her, well, you've got here Marlis, you might as well do a half marathon so in my head I said okay I'm just finishing a half marathon and I would get to half marathon point and I said well how about if we do another 10k because we're comfortable with doing a 10k and I'll get myself to kind of like that mile mileage point and I say to myself come on man you've come this far you've only got another 10k to finish it and I kept focusing on crossing the line crossing the line And I think that's how you need to chunk down your goals in business. It is really scary if you suddenly set yourself for really challenging forecast revenue for the year. But chunk it down and just play mind games with yourself. Say, oh, you just have to get to the next lamppost, you know? It's not a big deal. And I think playing mind games makes it a bit more fun uh, rather than scary. Um, So um, I kind of think you know people say if you're going to eat an elephant just start by you know eating small burgers of it and I think that's so true for business and it's true for personal development and sports you just need to chunk it down
0: yeah and I love that so much because you obviously did sit with me and explain this to me over Christmas and it seems obvious now but it really wasn't so I kind of want to encourage everyone to grab a notepad and if you missed that bit go back just to rewind it because i think it's like a massive thing that's going to make a big difference Mm -hmm. and i actually went and i've been ranting about it to my friends and telling them what you taught me and saying this has helped me so much um but Uh, it is that breaking it down into 78 so that you've got this baseline of a low target you need to achieve the first month that's what you were suggesting wasn't it and then each month you build on by a, a certain percentage that you know what that is
1: yeah and i think when we sat down and looked at your business you already had a base of clients. So you were not starting from zero. So I think that was really motivating for you to see because you already are kind of like further up the path of where you're going to be. And I think if you've got a business that is needs to have more clients to grow, I would say what you need to do is kind of like have a strategy to defend what you have. So make sure you look after the clients that you have. So you've got the kind of like the, existing revenue but then have a growth strategy and think about what is it that i'm going to do to grow my business further and get more clients but don't expect it to all happen in the first month just say okay when we sat down with you we figured out you only needed to get a handful of clients every month to give you the growth over 12 months to reach your goal and that i think is much more realistic because you can think of okay What is it that I need to get this month to feel I'm on target? And it's okay not to quite reach your target in a month or overachieve in one month. As long as you're moving towards that general direction, uh, then you're going to reach that goal. I hope that makes sense.
0: Yeah, definitely. It
1: does. Mm. And so that's in terms of the
0: financial side of setting those goals. And I think it does help in my experience of just having implemented it the last few weeks with clarity and knowing where you are and where you need to be rather than, I know before I was just thinking, oh, I I need to get more clients. It's always good to get more. I need to keep growing. But with no specific tangible figure or amount of sessions or amount of clients that I needed to pick up. So now we've kind of, you've explained that part. Mm -hmm. Do you have any, and I know it varies by business, but any ways that you then, create the strategy to achieve those goals is there are there any general
1: rules yeah I guess um it it all very business specific about what you do but um I find uh for my business I kind of like have some baseline expenses for example expenses for having accountant legal advice for having um you know insurance business insurance and everything so in my head you know, I've, I've set myself a kind of like daily rate that i charge my clients. So I've, I often say to myself, okay, I need to work so many days per month just to cover my expenses. And then if I'm working, if I've got more paid days in that month, that, that works towards making, generating profit for reinvestment in the business. So I think it's really good to have a baseline of your um, expenses for the business and have a strategy to cover them because once you cover them everything else kind of like goes into profit and it makes you feel good that you're on top of things um and the other thing I would say is again you have to know and understand your market to find that what is unique about your business and what is the best channel to communicate that for example I'll find in my line of business is business to business we get a lot of referral through word of mouth not rather than direct marketing but if you've got a kind of have a consumer product maybe you need to do more direct marketing to your target audience so i think um that varies between businesses but what i find i started using is a kind of like strategy i think uh, google um and gates foundation have used is about um setting unrealistic goals that are really inspiring and sharing those goals with everybody in the organization uh, they use a concept called okr it stands for objective and key results uh, and what i do is on a regular basis i sit down not just myself but with other people who work in kimia and share with them you know what is our objective and we deliberately set ourselves a really challenging objective and Our goal is even if we get to 70% of that objective, we kind of like smashed our, you know, expectations. So it kind of constantly pushes us to keep thinking about new ways of doing things and creative ways of addressing it. Um, So um, that's another methodology. And there's a book about it by John Doerr called Measure What Matters. So if you wanted to dig a little bit deeper about OKR, you can uh, buy that book or you know, download it and read it. I think that really helped us to accelerate our growth by using OKRs. Ah, nice, because I'm doing the
0: reading a book a month uh, challenge thing Uh this year. So that can be my my March book.
1: (laughs) Cool, cool.
0: So obviously you work in marketing and that's your area of expertise. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to communicating our brands or our message or our service, Mm -hmm. I know you've mentioned the elevator pitch so perhaps Mm -hmm. you might want to go more into that into how to refine what you're doing into such a short message that is easily delivered but equally are there other ways or other things that we should consider marketing 101 I guess for people that perhaps don't don't know the discipline as well as you do. Um,
1: I think you always have to put yourself in the shoes of your uh, clients or your customers to think about their need, What is their need? And I think um, people need to kind of get excited about the product. And often we might need something, but we don't make a decision towards it until there's a tipping point. You know, like um, if you think about things you purchase yourself, like so often something really annoys you and it gets to the point you think, no, I need to go and buy something to address this. So it's kind of like, um, You might be thinking your jeans are not exactly how you want it or you put on weight and it gets to the point that one day you just get really annoyed and you go and look for it. So you need to understand what are the annoyance points for your customers where your product solution can address those points that annoys them to the point of action. Because we have lots of needs, but we don't often act on it until they trigger us to act. Um, And I think whatever product or service you've got you really need to spend time brainstorming talk to people interview to find out what is the trigger point that makes them think okay I've got to do something about it for example like if you think about your business you know personal training everybody knows they need to eat healthy diet everybody knows they need to exercise but often there's a trigger point something happens it's like say for instance they've got a wedding coming in six months time or they need to go to a you know, award ceremony and they've got this dress they want to wear, they're not fitting in. And suddenly that is a trigger point that they get motivated. So you need to kind of like finding those trigger points for your customers and clients and tweak your communication messages that talks about that point, that trigger point, rather than just talking about the benefits and features of your product. People are not interested in features and benefits of products. People are interested, how are you going to solve their problem? So really spend time to think what's people's problem and then talk about how you
0: can solve it. Yeah, I think that's really good. So it's basically suggesting that we need to play on the emotions or connect with them emotionally rather than just about the, the features and the yeah. the mundane sort of side of it.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because I think is. You know, is the emotion that drives the action. But you need to find out what are the trigger points for that emotion that drives that action. The more time you spend digging and asking questions, I think um, the better you find out. And I think I was talking to somebody, they were saying, you need to start with a draft, like your elevator pitch, start with it, write it, and just trying to condense it and condense it. But keep going back and reviewing it and changing it based on the feedback you get in. And as you test it with people, find what sort of reaction you get. If if you put a wording on your website that is triggers interest and you find that you're getting more hits and more interest, then obviously that works. But if you're putting a message and it's not resonating with your clients, then obviously that's not the right message. So listening and tweaking constantly, I think is really key to refining your core messages. And don't have too many messages. I think having too many messages is confusing. I would say having two or three core message is more than enough. But be really, really clear and make sure your messages address the underlying problem that your potential clients are having. So, for example, when you would work with your clients, Mm -hmm. do you do a certain type of
0: research to try and back up your idea of what this trigger is or is it more
1: something that you intuitively feel um I, I spend time researching because what I do is I do business to business so I work with um pharmaceutical companies who provide products to NHS so the end user or end you know point that they're going to get the benefit is like NHS so what I do is I'll proactively look at problems within NHS what are the areas that they're having difficulty with and they really are motivated to find solutions for and then I'll narrow that down then I'll go and look at pharmaceutical companies who have potential solutions that could address that problems and we could kind of like approach them proactively to work with them to act on their behalf and so I kind of like begin with the end in mind So I know by the time I reach an agreement and I'm working on a product, the probability of that resonating with the end user is going to be quite high because of particularly when I look for a solution that would potentially address their needs. And because we're kind of like quite unique in the market, we're working and we've got a really good understanding of the environment, we are expert in our field. Then, you know, the, the feedback from our previous clients resonate that so the clients say yeah okay we work with you and we, we work really fast to deliver if we deliver then people say well I'm getting results but I think the key thing is always look for win-win and be really open and transparent think about what's the benefit for the end user in, in our case because we're working on behalf of other people what's the benefit for our clients and what's the benefit for us and be really open about it and I think if you always think about winning for everybody that's involved, is more likely to reach success. If you're thinking about winning yourself and making a profit, I think that's fundamentally flawed because you're only focusing on your own needs. My kind of my two core focus in my business is when I'm working with my clients, I want them to feel what I'm doing if they had time and they could do it themselves, I would do it as well as they would. So they have the trust that I'm re- doing a really good job. But also the core thing I want them to believe in is I'm going to make them more money by working with me. And all the time I'm focusing on looking after my clients, making sure, you know, their business is taken care of. And I don't even wor- worry about making money because whilst I'm focusing on their needs, they continue working with me. So the revenue will come in. So, focus on the things that really matter and the money will flow yeah definitely myself and my uh,
0: co-host on the other segment Bernadette we had this realization just this year well in 2018 that everything has to sort of work around providing value and -hmm. that the center of your business should be how do you provide value to whoever it is your client your customer and then the rest will yeah like you say it will follow as long as you always giving something then the yeah. money will
1: keep coming in yeah and i think another thing i kind of realized 2 years ago when i set up the company i kind of like thought, what is it that would really you know put the fire in my belly that is bigger than just making a salary uh you know obviously making a salary is important because it's your livelihood but i thought what is it that would really motivate me and i kind of like um our business to do with pharmaceutical industry and you know we want to improve health but I kind of like thought, okay, medicine is good, but it's not everything. There's a huge issues around health inequalities in Scotland. And I thought, okay, how about if I set my business a goal that the more successful we are or whatever we do, whether we are, you know, just hit our targets or we overachieve our targets, I pledge to give a percentage of our profits towards um, projects uh, in Scotland to address um health inequalities and I suddenly got so excited I just suddenly felt like okay I can do my little bit towards improving things that is bigger than me and I think that really motivated me to be successful and generate more revenue because I know the more I generate revenue the more I can contribute towards something that's going to make a big difference to some people who live in Scotland and I think whatever you do find something that really puts the fire in your belly and motivates you and often find finding something that is bigger than yourself or bigger than profit I think is much more motivating because you feel you're making a difference
0: yeah are you familiar with John Martini and his work
1: no more no. he- about it he's
0: he's written a book called the values factor which Probably everyone listening will be laughing because I mention it in almost every episode. <laughs> um, but it's it's about the belief that you obviously have to do something which aligns with your values in order to be successful. Yeah. But he, he talks a lot about finding your purpose. And mm-hmm. like you said, something that really drives you and for you is that greater cause. Yeah. And then linking all your tasks and your goals and your, your must-dos to mm-hmm. that purpose. So even say you've got to do a lot of admin one day it's such a small menial job but it's like always about linking everything back to the greater purpose of that I have to do this to do this to then be able to give the money to this foundation or something like that yeah so it's, it's really good practice that I think is like it's more about how you motivate yourself but it's very similar to what you're saying
1: yeah and I think values are really important when you've got your own business you've got freedom to create the work environment you want to have and I think being true to yourself and it allows you to be more of the person you are. And I find um, it can work to your advantage because, for example, I like openness and honesty. And when I give advice to people, I am really honest with them. Sometimes it's not what they want to hear, but it's what they need to hear, because that's the reality of the environment or reality of their situation. And I think... I was talking to somebody you know he asked me about my business and I told him so he said so basically you're just an honest broker and he said your currency is trust and I said yeah I guess so thank you for giving me <laughs> that feedback because um that is important to me because particularly if you're working in a business environment where there's a lot of politics and lack of honesty if that's how I'm operating that di- immediately differentiates me and I guess think about each individual needs to think about what is it that is really important to them, what work environment they like to have, what are their values, and embed those values in what you do, because at the end of the day, you really enjoy working in that work environment, like I love all my suppliers, because I pick them, I pick people that I feel they I can connect with, and I actually, I would say, I love my lawyer, I love my accountant, really enjoy working with them. And you feel like if you've got a team of people you're working with, that you actually like to go and have a drink with at night. You know, uh, it's not as if you just have to work with them, you choose to be with them because they're the same values and principles with you.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think it makes it makes the whole experience probably more enjoyable and worth doing. I know it's a bit of a different strand but I know that you you've mentioned before that you're very into your fitness and your with your marathon running and things like that so it would be really interesting to hear how you think this ties in if it if it does in any way Mm -hmm. to how you motivate
1: yourself in business yeah um I think um you know the reason I first of all I was not a runner when I decided to do a marathon I could not even run like three miles Uh Um, I set myself a goal to do a marathon because I thought if I train to do the marathon first of all it's something I never thought I would be able to do but I was just interested to know what that training would do to me as a person and I think reaching the goal of doing the marathon is less important than the journey it took me to do it and I think If you do something that is really difficult that you never think you could do, when you do it, you suddenly think, well, what else can I do that I never thought I could do? So it just opens your own horizon. Because I think we all have more capability than give ourselves credit for. We just have to put ourselves in that situation. And it's amazing what you're able to do when you put yourself under pressure. Um, I remember back in 2003, I decided to go, I was at the... Um, conference at work and we had uh, Bear Grylls came and talked to us about his um, Base Camp Everest experience and his life and I don't know what you knew he had broken his back and he was lying in bed and he was looking at a picture of Mount Everest and that's when he decided he was going to climb that mountain and I was really inspired by him and I, kind of, I, was, I remember I was sitting in that room thinking you know I don't want to go to the top of Mount Everest but i love to go to Base Camp and I think when you decide you're gonna do something, I talked to a friend of mine, Debbie, and she she just said, Manaz, I'm going there in two months time. And I remember thinking, okay, I wanna go with you. And it was one of the hardest thing I've ever did because you, you're walking in high altitude, you can hardly breathe, you become a bit delirious. And I remember the last day when we're walking towards base camp and base camp is not like on top it's kind of like an undulating course you can see it for miles but you can't get to it because you just have to walk and I remember it was a really hard day and we had walked for hours and it was really tough and um, Debbie kept saying oh we're going to go to base camp and we have to come all the way back because there's nowhere to stop in base camp and I said to Debbie just don't don't think about it we're just getting to base camp and I remember all I was saying to myself was all you need to do is put one foot in front of the other that's all you need to do and just do it consistently and I just kept saying one foot left in front of right right in front of left and I kept going and when we got to base camp we were really excited celebrated and then I thought oh boy we've got to go all the way back oh, and again head. I got back to that same strategy one foot in front of the other Leela you will not know how many times when I've had difficulties in my life, I've gone back to that experience of Base Camp Everest or an experience of doing a marathon because all you have to do is put one foot in front of the other. And I use that as a metaphor for business. When you face challenges, when you find difficulties, you just have to put one foot in front of the other and move forward. Doesn't matter if you fail. doesn't matter if things didn't work out, you just move forward because as long as you're moving forward, you're going to reach your goal and your destination. And I think what I realized when I was walking to base camp Everest was, it gets to the point that you think you can't, you really have no energy, you've got no stamina to keep going. But if you keep going, you reach another level, you suddenly find energy that you never knew you had. And I heard that from so many of my friends who do running. It gets to the point in in the marathon you think like your tank is completely empty. But if you just say to yourself, see the finish line, see the finish line, just keep going one foot in front of the other. You suddenly reach another level of energy that you never knew it was. It's like as if you have a reserve tank that suddenly kicks in. But you've never experienced a reserve tank until you spend your normal tank. And I think with business, when you move in the direction of your goal, when the goals get really challenging, when you persevere, you suddenly find doors open. You find you get energy you never knew you had and and you reach it. So there's a lot of parallels between sporting challenge and business challenge um, that I often refer back to to kind of get inspiration to get me going.
0: Yeah, and I think that's so interesting to hear because what you say about you get this reserve that you didn't even know you had and you push through that wall and then it's a whole new feeling that you didn't you didn't know. Yeah, And I think I mentioned to you David Goggins. He's mm-hmm. quite a famous guy who has put himself through a lot of physical challenges and he's done things like the world record on press-ups or pull-ups mm-hmm. and other things like that running a certain amount of miles I think it's like hundreds and hundreds of miles or something just purely he always says for the sake of training himself to be the best that he can be mentally so he he really makes that link like you have and he actually says the quote on the other side of suffering is a world very few people have seen Mm -hmm. so I think it's something I probably haven't experienced but I was listening to him the other day and thinking that that's the motivation to set some sort of physical challenge yeah and like you said i think it ties into other things into business and into personal life and whatever is difficult when you come out the other side it's a certain new level to yourself that you didn't have before mm-hmm. and so the parallel you make between fitness is something that i like to obviously push as well yeah because i think it's also it's a positive feedback loop mm-hmm. and if you do something say you did the marathon yes you've trained your body but equally you've told yourself that oh I could do something that I didn't think I could exactly and then that feeds on to what you do next in business in personal life or or whatever it is
1: yeah definitely and I think we we've got to be well-rounded people you know healthy mind is in a healthy body so if you're kind of like not exercising and just like having a, a lifestyle of you know, drinking and just, you know, smoking and not doing all of that, then it's really difficult to sustain the, you know, healthy business life. So I think the discipline of sports is is quite good because it brings discipline to business life as well. But um, definitely there's a lot of parallels. Uh, I remember I had a disappointment when, you know, we lost the contract that we were kind of like counting our revenue on and I had taken a new member of staff And I remember thinking, I just got to get on with it, just get really busy. And for a period of three months, I think I just put in so many hours, you know, I was working really long hours, but I wasn't feeling tired because I had gone into my like marathon training mode at work. And i was just thinking, we just got to get across the line. We just got to get this across the line. And I was finding energy that I never knew I had. I mean, if I had to say to myself, you have to work three months, seven days a week a week and put 10, 12 hours a day. I was thinking, oh no, that's really tiring, but I just did it and it was fine and I never felt tired because I had a drive that I had to get that kind of revenue across the line. so you just get creative and you get really busy. And I think if you think about like runners, the runners who run in Olympics, they don't say to you, if you ask them what do you do when you start running, they don't look in the ground. They don't kind of like think about how breathless they are. All of them visualize crossing the line. And I think in business, when you set yourself goal, don't think about all the things that could go wrong and things that are not there. Just visualize achieving your desired outcome, because that way your conscious mind and your subconscious mind aligns everything towards achieving that goal your mind focused and positive towards the outcome that you really want but if you keep thinking about all the things you don't want then your head gets filled up with lots of negative stuff and it's like putting the brakes on you can't really move forward you get paralyzed
0: yeah that it puts up barriers really doesn't it to prevent
1: you from getting to where you want to be yeah and I think I shared that with you Leela when I was 19 and 20 and I was going to go freelance um, I had the job, it was paying a good salary, but I resigned to go freelance and my mum and dad were nagging me. Uh, and, and I just thought, you know what, I don't need this. I moved, um, rang my sister and, went and stayed with my sister for three days. And during that time, negotiated my freelance contract. And then when I got that, I came back home. I ended up earning four times what I was earning before. Uh, but if I listened to my mum and dad negativity, that would have just stopped me in my track. So if there's negative chatter around you, either block it, move away from it, or have a different interpretation on it. Don't let it get to you. Because you need to be really clear and move in that positive direction.
0: Yeah, I definitely think the energy around you or or the way that you take in that energy is is really, really important.
1: Yeah. If you can't move away from it, put a different (laughs) key to it. So every time they nag you, just say, Oh, they really love me. They want me to be successful. This is just their way of expressing it. Yeah,
0: well, that definitely sounds familiar to me. Um, (laughs) So I think it would be, we've covered so much and it's been really, really good. So I want to ask you the final question that I always ask Mm -hmm. everyone who who comes onto the podcast. And that is what you perceive to be the growth factor. So Mm -hmm. the growth factor is the branded term for the podcast that refers to that thing that mm-hmm. you think makes the difference between somebody becoming a success. So I can imagine there might be multiple, but it's something that you think is really important, whether that be a personality trait or a mindset or a practice, something
1: that they're actually doing. I, I think, Leela, if I was going to you know, drill it down to just one thing, for me, that would be what you think about. Because what you think about becomes your reality. And there's a famous saying is, I can't remember who said it, but it said if you, if you think you can, or if you think you can't, you are right. So I think whatever you think about, and I think our minds is like a garden. You need to go in there and weed out negative thoughts constantly, because whether you want it or not, negative thoughts going to come into your head. You just need to consciously go in there every day and whip them out because those negative thoughts will stop you and the positive thoughts are the ones that drive the growth of your business so keep your garden of mind clean with plants that you wanted to be there and the thoughts that you want to be there and I think that's a key to success of any business or personal growth
0: yeah I think that's a that's a really good one and do you think then that in the same way that we shouldn't think these negative thoughts do you think that it's it's not a good idea to vocalize things that are negative? Do you think that self-talk is important?
1: Definitely, because the minute you say it, your minds hear it. Um, So you have to be really conscious of the words and the language you use uh, because everything needs to be aligned. What's in your mind needs to be reflected in your reality. So I think it's unrealistic to say we're not going to have bad days or negative thoughts come to our head. Be conscious of it. It's like you know, if you have a house, if you don't clean it and dust it, it's going to get dirty. So in the same way, you need to go and clean your own mind. Saying, "Okay, I acknowledge today I had a bad day and I had this negative thoughts, but let it put it in perspective." And then I actually recommend, if you have time to have a look at, it's about law of attraction and law of vibration. Um, that the outcomes very much depends on what we think about so you could actually actively do visualization exercises to help you get that reality and I think if you focus on the reality that you want like in is similar to like if you want to go on holiday you want to go to Spain you go and look at hotel look at flights and you book it once you book the flight and the hotel and you've got a date you know you're going to go on holiday so you keep thinking about being on holiday in Spain you think, don't keep worrying about, oh, is the planes going to take off on time or is the hotels going to be all right? You just think about like walking on the beach and enjoying it. And it's the same with business. If you set yourself a goal, you have to ask for what you want, then believe it's going to happen and get ready to receive it. So you plan and act in anticipation of receiving what you set out to achieve. Rather than worrying about all the things that are going to go wrong. And that way, you know, everything in terms of your conscious and subconscious mind works towards that goal. And suddenly you look and you live in your reality. Um, so it's is conscious awareness of things that get to your head, but just dust them and replace them with positive affirmations of what you really want and what you desire to achieve. And that way you keep your head clean of thoughts.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good way because it can be overwhelming to think that you have to control what pops into your mind. But it's not really about that. It seems it's more about how you manage those feelings and what you choose to hold on to and what you just let go.
1: As I said, you know, I heard somebody years ago, you know, when the aeroplanes set off to go from like London to Edinburgh, Um, 90% of the time their planes are actually traveling off course. What the pilot does, pilot keeps bringing it back on course. And the thing is about our mind. When you're moving in a general direction, you have to keep steering your mind back in that direction. And we all human. We have bad days and we have good days. But as long as you clear where you're going and you're steering your mind towards it, you're going to reach that destination. I think, you know, the reality is, our, our mind our thoughts goes up and down but we can steer it in the general direction that our desire is and be conscious of it I think that's a
0: really really nice motivational point to leave it on Good, um, <laughs> perfect way to end it with a nice analogy which I love
1: thank Good. you Lila and thank you for <laughs> inviting me to this podcast
0: thank you so much for giving us your time and almost a whole hour of your time I think everyone's going to love it when it goes live next week Thank
1: you, Lila. I'll speak to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye.